Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. One thing that is really awesome about doing this podcast is that I get to speak to people from a whole range of different sports. And 86 episodes in, we finally get to speak to someone from the world of squash. I'm delighted to say on this week's podcast, I speak to Jenny Duncalf. She was part of the successful England winning team that won the World Team Championships in 2006. Absolutely wonderful to get to speak to Jenny on this week's Best in the World with Richard Parr. And we cover a a whole range of topics, in particular how she grew up around squash and in fact how a football association ruling stopped her from playing football and ended up leading her to squash. She talks about supporting Liverpool. She also talks about her relationship with fellow squash player Rachel Grinham. Plus, she discusses talking about starting to be a master of ceremonies and a commentator at various squash events around the world. Plus, also her ill-fated appearance in Eggheads. You'll hear all about that on this week's Best in the World with Richard Parr, featuring the squash world team champion, Jenny Duncalf. Before we get to that interview, I just want to tell you about Audible. Audible is one of the leading supplies of audiobooks in the world. Over 180,000 titles for you to choose from. We mentioned football there with Jenny being a Liverpool fan. Well, I've listened to various different sports books. One of my favourites is the book about Zlatan Ibrahimovic. An absolutely fantastic book. And you can download it for free by going to audibletrial.com forward slash best. That's audibletrial.com forward slash best. It's part of a 30-day trial where you get one free audiobook download. Go and check them out, audibletrial.com forward slash best. Let me know what you think of it. All right, let's get on with it. Let's speak to the best in the world. It's Jenny Dunkoff. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Jenny Duncalf, welcome to the best in the world with Richard Parr. So great to have you on the program. And of course, we're going to talk about all of your life in squash. But I've seen that you've been doing some emceeing and some commentating. How's that been going for you? <laughs> um, hi, Richard. Thanks for having me, first of all. 
Um, yeah, I've done a couple of sprints at the uh, MCing just in the last uh, last few months. I did um, did the British Open in Hull back in March, I think it was. Um, yeah, PSA, uh, the Professional Squash, Squash Association, just um, asked me if I'd fancied doing it. And I thought, why not? I'm getting a bit older now. And so, yeah, I had to go at that. And I think it went down well. It was quite different to what I'm used to, um, but had some positive feedback, which was nice. And then uh, did a bit at the Women's World Championships and the Elguna International in Egypt as well after that. So, yeah, I've had a couple of goes mm. um, and hopefully some more. Oh, fantastic. Because th- that's one of the things about squash is you do a lot of on-court interviews uh, after matches, don't you? So I'm I'm guessing it was something you're, yeah. you're quite used to, just being on, on the other side of the microphone. Yeah, I'm definitely a lot more used to being on the other side of the microphone. <laughs> um, so it was, quite, it was quite bizarre, but quite nice, because I know, obviously, all the, all the players um, pretty well, and a lot of them I'm good friends with, so... Um, I think we had we got a bit of a natural flow, hopefully, to the to the questions, and I can try and maybe get a bit more of an insight into them as uh, personalities as well, and not just the kind of standard um, athlete answers, kind of run of the mill stuff. Mm-hmm. Did you try any gags? I didn't really go for any gags. So <laughs> I'm not not quite there yet. <laughs> didn't try that i'm not sure i will try that <laughs> i always remember uh, i hosted a jazz uh, event one time at university it went pretty well played it completely straight they invited me back to do it right. again and they said uh, can, can you try try a few gags and they were just disastrous <laughs> they didn't go down well oh, i think i think i'll leave yeah. it for the stand-up <laughs> comedians unless you know how to do it and uh, talking about kind of um being on the other side of the microphone and and things related to to speaking and and what, one thing i wanted to mention also is that you appeared on eggheads i saw oh dear i've tried to erase that from my memory <laughs> i haven't seen the episode how I did it go remember. then Oh, hopefully it's been deleted from the archives of the BBC. <laughs> um, it was a disaster, if I'm honest. Um, so, yeah, this was years ago. The top five English female players uh, went on eggheads. I actually really like quiz programmes, and I, and I secretly quite fancy myself as not, not too bad at them. Um, but eggheads is, is tough. And, uh, yeah, I got lumbered with history, the history category, uh, went up against CJ, um, and I didn't get one question right. So that was, and it was multiple choice. So yeah, not not our proudest moment as uh, Team England squash players, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, never mind. Well, at least you tried. But it was an experience. Yeah, we tried. Exactly, tried and and most probably CJ does wear those very bright shirts, so that might have put you off. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm go he threw with... me off. It was distracting. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. All right, let's talk about your your life and career as a squash player. So, when did you first get started in the game, Jenny? Um, I basically started when I was nine years old um, at the club where I'm sat right now, actually, um, Harrogate Squash Club. Uh, yeah, I was nine, and I loved sport as a kid. Um, I've got a big brother, and and uh, we were always messing around in the garden, playing any sport. Going, I loved uh, football. Was my probably my my first love. Um, I used to play for my school and the local team in uh, Weatherby Weatherby Athletic. 
Eagles. And then, so I was the only girl in the team. Um, and then at under 10s, once you reached under 10 age group, the FA said that girls weren't allowed to play in any of the teams. So I couldn't play matches on a Saturday anymore, which I was pretty devastated about. Mm. Um, and ended up coming down to junior club at the squash club on a Saturday morning instead. And yeah, took it from there, really. And I guess the rest is history, I suppose. Um, so a blessing in disguise, maybe. What was your position at football? Uh, I was right wing or up front. <laughs> oh, okay. And I see you're a Liverpool fan? Yes, I am. Yeah, still... Uh, still follow football. I used to have, yeah, wall-to-wall posters of Liverpool players when I was about eight or nine or ten. <laughs> uh, not so much now, but I still follow them. Who was your favourite back in the day? Oh, dear. Um, back then, oh, when I was younger, my, well, my brother would always be John Barnes. I quite like Peter Beardsley because he was good at dribbling. Uh, and then as I got older, I had a massive crush on Jamie Redknapp. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to like Stephen Manaman, yeah. Yeah, Stephen Manaman, of course, a right winger as well. Just, yeah. Just like yeah. you. So what what about in the in the world of squash? <laughs> as you started to play that more, were there any people you were kind of looking up to? Yeah, um, hugely so, really. When I was, as, like the same with the football, I, I loved sport and I loved, um, you know, I had all the sticker albums and posters and knew who played for the, for England and things like that. So even from football, I was sort of transferring to squash. I was always keen on who the best players in the world were and I'd try and follow them. And uh, luckily for me, um, I was surrounded, my whole sort of um, upbringing with squash, I was surrounded by professional players because my stepdad, um, uh, David Pearson, he's a coach. He was national coach for like 15 years. And so, so, and then we used to have like world champions staying at our house. Um, so I just loved it. Um, dinner every night, I'd be sat next to like the best player in England or the world even. Um, so I was pretty spoiled like that. I was lucky to, to know that um, it was possible, definitely possible to have a career as a professional squash player, but also to just uh, be surrounded by that kind of calibre of player and learn so much off just sort of hanging around and watching them on court. Um, so I always had uh, a few idols growing up. Mm. So when they're around your house for dinner and stuff, is there was there ever one piece of advice that you really took to heart and really used later in your career? Um, not one stands out, to be honest, but I always tell people or tell juniors now is just to to watch and try and just soak up everything. Like kids do anyway, like you are like a sponge when you're a kid, but I basically grew up almost shadowing the, the best players in the world in, in a weird way. I'd watch them on court, I'd see what they did at tournaments. Um, so yeah, just watch and learn and then try and kind of implement that into your own individual style as well. You don't want to completely copy some I don't, I don't think anyway, but you can take bits from lots of different uh, players and, and use what you can. Mm. It's interesting you mentioned like what they do at tournaments, not necessarily on the court, but how they conduct themselves just a- around the where the event is. So what kind of things are we talking about here, Jenny? Just the preparation in terms of before they go on court, do they socialise, um, what they eat, just little little things like that, what rackets they use, what string tension they use. Um, 
yeah, I, was, I guess I was probably a bit of a geeky squash player when I was younger and, and looked up to a lot of them. So I just loved being at tournaments and big events and seeing all the players and, and what they were like and what they got up to. Mm, well, that is you say geeky, but it's it's definitely paid off because of the success that you've had. <laughs> so, give us an idea then of what your pre-match routine is like. What it's like when you arrive to an event before you actually play your first match. Um, well, I'm talking a good game <laughs> because I was actually really bad at uh, when I was younger. I was, I'd watch all the players, but I I wasn't the best in terms of preparation. Um, I warm up a lot better and look after myself a lot better now at the end of my career than I did at the start, which which sounds quite bad. But um, luckily, naturally, I, I, I kind of got away with not doing too much kind of prehab and, um, and looking after my body as well as I probably should have for quite a few years. I didn't get injured. And then once I hit 30, things started going a bit wrong. Um, and I've had to definitely up my game there. So before a match, I would uh, before a match, I'd take myself away probably about 45 minutes to an hour before the match. A lot of the time, you, you don't know when exactly you're going to be on if you're following on. Um, so a match could go for like any, anywhere from 35 minutes to 75, 90 minutes. Um, so it's quite difficult at times. You're always warming up near the court and then popping in to see the score um but yeah i try to take myself away from a sort of busy environment about 45 minutes uh, to an hour before my match and yeah start warming up properly about half an hour before and then it's go time and then it's go time yeah <laughs> once you you just want to get you just want to get on once you once you kind of itching to get on court usually and what about Obviously, uh, being an international player that you are, you do travel all around the world and you're playing anywhere from Egypt to Qatar to obviously at home, over to America. Um, Do you have any kind of travel routine? Um, Not particularly. Just try and um, look after yourself as best as possible. There's obviously a lot of flying, um, being a professional where depending on the countries I go to, I usually give myself at least two full days to acclimatise before first round. Um, so Asia, if I'm flying from England, Asia or Australia, sometimes three days. Um, but anywhere else, like America, Middle East, I'll give myself two full days uh, just to make sure you can get over the flight and settle in, get used to the court, so you get two decent hits on the courts that you're playing on, hopefully, um, before first round. Mm. I kind of like the travel though. I'm not. I'm not bored of it yet. I don't mind. I don't like flying. <laughs> it doesn't help. <laughs> I'm not a huge. I'm not. I'm not scared of flying. I'm not scared of many things, but I'm not the keenest on the bumpy flights. Mm. But I kind of like being at airports, weirdly, and I like airport programs, which is weird as well. Airport airport programs, such as what? Yeah, I don't know. I, I like. Um, I was watching a comedy one the other day that was it was from years ago. Come fly with me, okay. um, the guy from Little Britain. It was really funny, <laughs> and then just like national, I found myself watching um, not deliberately, but when it's on TV, I end up watching it like national security border. You know those border security ones. And, <laughs> yeah. I don't know weird stuff like that. 
Definitely not air crash investigation, though. That's one I flicked straight off. Yeah, no, you you don't Um, want to watch that. Nor that movie with Denzel Washington where he kind of uh, lands upside down. That's not the one you want to watch before a flight. Yeah, I won't be watching those, no. Um, while we're talking about routine, why don't you give us an idea of what a typical training day is like for you, Jenny? Um, well, it varies, to be honest. I get asked that a lot, so it's always quite um, difficult because we have different days every day. Yeah. Uh, so, let me. Well, I guess today. So I've used today as an example. Um, today it's it's the off season at the moment we don't have a tournament um or well, i haven't had a tournament it'll be about two two and a half months um so i'm sort of halfway into my um eight week weights program so i'll do weights twice a week uh so i did weights this morning um but i start with uh i have a slight hip issue so i have to do my hip rehab um every day if i can so that takes about 20 minutes at the start of a session do my hip rehab, which isn't the most exciting, but it uh, has to be done. <laughs> and yeah, my weights today only took about an hour, hour or so. Um, and then I actually just walked on the treadmill for half an hour just for a bit of recovery, just keep the legs loose. And then I've got lunch after I speak to you. And then I've got a hit with a young a young lad from Ilkley uh, who's on the sort of England Academy uh, called Stuart McGregor, so we're gonna we'll hit for about an hour, an hour or so, an hour and a half, doing some routines and condition games. Um, so I tend to most of my days uh, consist of one on court session and one off court session. Mm. Off court um, will either be um, strength work or CV work, and then court can be a match uh, practice or a coaching coaching lesson or pressure session or something like that. So. The good thing about squash is that there's so much you can work on. There's so many variables uh, within the sport. Um, so there's all sorts you can do. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The best in the world podcast with Richard Parr. 
don't panic, don't panic, Mr. Mannering. All right, Dad's Army reference there for anyone who might know what I'm talking about. If you're in another country, Google Dad's Army, Mr. Mannering. Anyway, we'll have more from Jenny in just a moment. Before we do that, I want to tell you about Patreon. Patreon's a crowdfunding website. It gives creators the chance to get their projects funded. And we have the best in the world with Richard Barr on Patreon at the moment. It gives you a chance to give back to our podcast if you enjoy and appreciate what we do. And we're only looking for a contribution as little as $1 a month. If you're in the UK, that's less than a pound. And that equals like 25 cents an episode. And of course, you can contribute a lot more. And there are other benefits if you do start to contribute more to our show. Check them all out. It's at patreon.com forward slash best in the world. If you've already supported our show, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much, not just for your money, but also for your time by going to that website and listening to all of these podcasts. All right, let's return to the conversation with the squash world's team champion, Jenny Dunkoff. The best in the world podcast with Richard Parr. Is there anything that you know now that you wish you'd known when you started playing? Um, I don't really have, I don't, like to have any regret so and I kind of I don't I don't think I'd change too much um perhaps in my perhaps yeah in my done my kind of exercise my hip stuff which I'm doing now um started doing things like that a few years earlier uh because yeah it does catch up on you when you hit 30 like I say things things are a bit more difficult and I've never been never been the best I've never been the most meticulous of kind of preparers um, compared to some of the other players which is pretty bad to say really (laughs) (laughs) um you mentioned you're gonna have some lunch why don't you tell me what your lunch will be and then also give us an idea of what is your typical diet please jenny well that's a good question because i forgot i'm embarrassingly forgot about this interview and i'm hitting at half two so (laughs) i think i'm gonna have to make a mad bash to sainsbury's and grab something uh, which might be, I'm actually quite fancying some prawns at the moment. I, I personally, um, I depend. Well, I go through phases, but I try. I try to lay off too many carbs, so I try not to eat too much bread and pasta. Um, but then I will have. I like rice. Um, I like a lot of sushi. It's one of my favourites. Mm. Um, proteins, just the just the general kind of. Um, yeah, meat, meat and veg and fish. It's it's pretty dull, really. Eggs. I like. I eat a lot of eggs. <laughs> uh, and my favourite thing is probably breakfast food. I could I could eat breakfast food all day and sushi all day. Uh, what type of breakfast food? Oh, anything. Um, scrap eggs, poached eggs, smashed avocado Ooh, with a yeah. bit of chili, even a drizzle of honey. Um, bacon, uh, that that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't eat that every day, but uh, that would be uh, definitely up there. I do enjoy my food, so it's a constant battle not to 
not to give in to all the goodness that's out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's nearly lunchtime. Talking about all that food has made me hungry. So we'll, 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 we'll go for a few more minutes, but uh, not too many more because I think we're both getting hungry now. Um, so obviously you've had amazing success throughout your career, but what is the one standout moment if you had to pick one? Uh, it's a difficult one. I've, I, uh, yeah, I've got a, a few um, wins, I guess, that, that I've enjoyed. Um, I've always actually enjoyed, I, oh, actually, sorry, I'm waffling, but yeah, probably my first um, national title, winning the nationals, I think it was 2007, maybe, it was a long time ago. Um, but that was a big, a big one to tick off tick off the list um got three silver medals in the commonwealth games um so they were all great experiences and i've always in, i've always loved playing team events because we don't actually get to do that too much in squash and um, you spend most of the year as an individual and competing against everyone so it's always it's always great fun when you come together as a team and playing european team championships world championships commonwealth games um but also, my biggest win was the World Series event Qatar Classic, which um, took me to world number two. So I'd, I'd say that was my uh, standout win for me. Mm. And of course, that that was against your your partner Rachel Grinham. Do you remind her yeah, about that actually. quite a bit? <laughs> no, she, she had a bit of a shocker that day. To be fair. <laughs> um, so it was my semi final. I'd beaten Nicole David in the semi final of that. Uh, sort of big match and then yeah I played Rach in the final um, which luckily I won but yeah she's beaten me enough on four so yeah I try not to yeah, recently I spoke to the speed skater Jorip Bergsma, who's an Olympic champion, and, and his wife is also, a, a, I think she's a world champion speed skater as well. What's the dynamic oh, wow. like with, with both of you being very successful squash players? Does it make everything competitive if you play any board games or anything like that, or is it 24-7 squash? Are you able to kind of not think about the sport when both of you are so heavily invested? in it yeah weirdly enough board games are actually the only thing that we we seem to fall out about. board <laughs> games are terrible but um squash wise Rach is actually um I think she's quite rare as a sports person and that she's actually not very competitive which sounds ridiculous because she's been so successful she's won the British Open four times been world champion world number one commonwealth gold medalist like she's won way more than I have and I think part of that maybe makes her less because she's achieved so much there's there's nothing left for her to achieve so she's and she's never been that competitive bizarrely whereas I've always been competitive and I remember one time we played in the British Open we were together and she'd won the British Open three times already and I would like give give my right arm to win a British Open (laughs) and we played in the semi-finals and uh, Nicole David had gone out in the in the quarterfinals, which was like an unbelievable result, and left the tournament like wide open. So it was a huge, huge um, opportunity to do well. And I, I lost to Rach in the yeah in the semifinals, 
in a close match and I could like I could have won so I think that was probably the worst I've behaved after <laughs> and part of me like a sulky child but why can't you just let me win <laughs> but you've got three already and she went on to win the event and won her fourth one <laughs> I've still not won one oh. um but yeah she's not yeah I mean I'm definitely more of a if I lose to her it's usually a worse kind of couple of hours after the match than if she loses to me mm-hmm. <laughs> she's pretty good like that I'm not so good <laughs> Um, just a couple more questions. Uh, I, I know you've got to go, but I just want to get a couple more in. Um, yeah. Nicole, David, you mentioned there. Is it frustrating that you had to play in the era that she was involved in? Because she seemed to absolutely dominate the sport for quite a few years. Yeah, she she totally did. Um, no, I don't I don't see it that way. And for me, yes, yeah, sure, she wasn't around. Um, I probably, I may have won a British Open or a World Open or um, may have won a few more tournaments. But for me, I'm kind of glad that I was in that era um, because it's the biggest challenge I I could have had, really. And I I was tested against against the best. um, And yeah, I mean, she's been the most dominant force in women's squash, uh, arguably ever. Um, So no, I don't, I'm glad that I was in the same era as her. I mean we've grown up together she's eight months younger than me so we've played uh, since we were kids and she she raised her in terms of athleticism uh, in women's squash and, and it's, she's still going like she's losing a lot more these days um, but she's still such a good athlete and such a model professional as well um, so yeah it's been, for me I, I don't see that as a negative being in, in her era although I could have yeah maybe Maybe got a few more trophies. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the one trophy you did get, which you did mention, was the the World Team Squash Championship in two thousand and six. And I saw you were meant to be playing the deciding match in that final. Um, oh yeah. And you didn't get to play it because uh, your your two teammates won the first two matches. Yeah. Um, You've done your research. <laughs> uh, when I when I'm speaking to the best in the world, I've got to learn a little bit about you. Um, <laughs> so by doing that deciding match, when it didn't happen, was there a sense of relief and joy that you won, or was there a little bit of disappointment oh, yeah. that you didn't get to play? It's the weirdest feeling. Yeah, it's the weirdest feeling. It's basically the most nerve-wracking situation you can be in is playing a team. There's something different about teams. Obviously, you're representing your teammates and you want to win it so much. Um, So when you're due to go on, possibly for a deciding match in a a World Championship final, uh, it's, yeah, there's so many more nerves the excitement and it's you're up and down like you're exhausted before you even go on court really <laughs> um so that particular event it was a really close match um it was one minute it's looking like I'm going on for the decider one minute we could win and I, so I'm in and out warming up trying to take yourself away from the arena to calm down a bit um so I didn't I was actually not there when um I think it was Vicky Botwright uh won the won the match uh so i so then i sort of came through in my kit and and we'd won and then yeah it was brilliant it was obviously we've won that's with her to get the trophy but yeah i guess there's a bit of you that that would want to win the trophy for you so like win the deciding match but i've also lost the deciding match a a very close deciding match in the final and and that's not uh, not too much fun either so you'll take the trophy (laughs) 
when you get the chance, I think. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Jen, it's been so good to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time today. Just before you go, can you let us know how we can continue to follow you on social media, please? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I think my username's just my name, at Jenny Duncalf. Um Facebook, I've got an athlete page again, Jenny Duncalf. And the same for Instagram, uh, at Jenny Duncalf. So, yeah, not too complicated. <laughs> Perfect. Well, it's been so good talking to you today on the programme and thank you for being here and being the best in the world. Thank you, Richard. Take care. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Lovely talking to Jenny on this week's podcast and thinking about it. That might be one of the first racket sports champions we've had on this program because we haven't had any tennis players yet. I don't think we've had anyone from the world of badminton either. And as I mentioned at the start of the show, Jenny was the first squash player. But never fear, I've got another squash player coming up for you in just a few weeks. You'll just have to wait and see on that. Of course, the World Open is being held in Manchester in December, so... Got a pretty good guest for you leading up to that tournament. If you do enjoy our podcast and do want to go back and listen to some of the archive, which you can do at sportachino.com, which you can do at acast.com forward slash best, and you can do on iTunes and Stitcher, of course. Maybe there's a different sport that you enjoy. Perhaps you like shooting, like clay pigeon shooting. Maybe listen to the fascinating interview with Richard Folds, the clay pigeon shooter. Are you brave enough to cliff dive? Well, we go cliff diving, so to speak, with the world champion Gary Hunt. He's been on the best in the world with Richard Parr. The Rugby World Cup winner David Campisi has been on the program. They're some of the first few episodes that we've ever done on this program nearly two years ago, but they still stand as some of the best. So go back and listen to them. All right, that's it for this week's show, this week's Best in the World with Richard Parr. If you get a chance to support our program on Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash best in the world. But I'll be back with you with another amazing sporting champion. Goodbye for now. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.